2: Hey hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Thursday, which means we have Military Fitness Radio with my good friend Nate Morrison. How you doing, Nate? Doing well, Cole. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. As you point out, uh during uh, our conversation right before the show, it's warming up a little bit. It's warming up a little bit for you, but I got to tell you something. Um Jason Lelou who listens to the show and loves Military Fitness Radio. Nice. Um messaged me last week and said, I hate Nate Morrison. And I said, why? (laughs) He lowered the temperature in his, uh, he's a journeyman. He's an electrician. He's a journeyman. And he lowered the temperature in his condo that he's staying in right now, uh, down to like 50 degrees. And it's brutal, he said. He doesn't know how you Uh do it. I think think people have a totally different impression of who you are now that you explained that you really (laughs) are kind of like a mountain man.
3: Right, um, right.
2: You, you live the life of a mountain man. You live in the in, and and and. Uh, so we're getting a lot of feedback about that. That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Carl. It's um, there's there's a lot of um, uh, you know I don't know I mean we we all come from different walks of life and 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 we all grow up differently and and all that kind of thing and a lot of times we're the product of our own environment. So it's. Um, you know, I, I'm just here to share my experiences, and hopefully that benefits other people.
2: Now, as a result of last week's show, which everybody loved, about training in the cold. And, oh, and, cool. You know, that, that was really a perfect, I mean, timing was perfect. Who knew we were going to get blizzards everywhere, right? Right, um, right. In fact, I sent you a picture of me standing in six degree weather after coming out of a 180 degree sauna and you were shoveling snow and said there's a sauna in my jacket right now in my coat in my parka was, there's a sauna
3: i was so jealous of you it, it uh it was 20 below zero and i'm shoveling snow and of course you know it's cold outside and you're working and and uh, it just you know when you, when you overdress it it um you know you trap too much heat while you're working and all that mechanical ventilation that i talked about didn't work so no, you can take gloves off and and you've got pruny hands and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question right since
2: up. you on that note. Is it yeah. a mistake to start stripping down like if you're 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 in the wilderness and you're starting to really get hot and sweaty? Is it a uh, mistake to start stripping down to cool off uh or should you um if you feel like taking three you uh, items of clothing off, you should only take one off? and feel and see how that feels for, before you start stripping more
3: well you'll you'll develop that over time you'll you'll develop experience in in how much you need to take off for what activity and and all that kind of thing but in general you want to strip down before you start sweating and then you want to you want to stop when you're able to continue the work and be warm but not sweat because you just you've got to keep that sweat off of you gotcha Gotcha. Very, very interesting.
2: Okay, so today's show you said we had to do because it's kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week and we got into. So today's a two-part show, training and nutrition on the road, plus yeah. the force production method of training. So where do you want to start? And, of course, today's show is brought to you by militarymultisport.com. If you hear anything on this show and you want to know more, that's where you go, militarymultisport.com. And if you are deployed and you want to work with some of the best uh, uh, military athletes in the world. That's where you go. Okay, so where do we start with this discussion on training and nutrition on the road?
3: Well, um, let's let's start with I guess kind of the intro, the the catalyst to this, and uh, that is that uh, a very good friend of mine um, who's in the military. He has a son that's in the military, and um, a couple of days ago, uh, you know, with all of this bad weather, uh, his son, who's a Navy corpsman, stopped at an accident to help out. And, uh, while he was helping, uh, someone who had been injured in the vehicle, um, another vehicle, because people just lose their minds when there's a little bit of snow or even yeah. rain, yeah. um, they plowed right into him, and, uh, and he was severely injured. Um, and so my friend, uh, called me up on his way to the airport and said, "I'm I'm heading out. This is the situation. I'm going to be in a hotel for a couple of weeks. What should I do? And, um, you know, this is not an uncommon question for folks in the military because uh, oftentimes you're on the road. And, you know, it's, it's less of an issue, I guess, for conventional forces, but the special operations side of things, um, folks are, are on the road all the time and in hotels. And um, it's very often something that you, you encounter because if you're gone for a week or a month or whatever, I mean, you know, you start losing it inside of a week. So you, you have to do something to stay, um, to stay active. In fact, it was I think just yesterday I read a brand new article that talked about the fact that after 1 week you begin to lose your your fitness levels because within 7 days your body is already turning and saying okay, we don't need this, we don't need this, we can just start shutting everything down here. So um so it's a real problem and it's one that you actually see asked on on the forums and in the magazines a lot and uh I think usually the advice they give isn't particularly good. <laughs> right. So that's where this came from.
2: Okay. So what is this line here? U.S. Air Force pre-selection course oh.
3: fail. Well, we'll we'll uh, let's let's hit that later. Okay. Um, okay. Let's let's get through the um, the travel thing. I threw okay. that in on you, but okay. I, I'd like to start doing a little bit of a in the news thing.
0: Oh, excellent. Um, excellent. Yeah. Good, and
3: good. Uh, this this will be the first one, just because I think it's. Uh, both tragic and hysterical, um, but, but no, we can, we can press on with the, uh, um, okay, on the road. Stuff. Just, so go ahead, go ahead,
2: go on.
3: So, so the, the big thing of course that, that people um, realize or don't realize is that you know, there, there is a, there is a big limit to what you can do versus what you're used to doing at home. Right. right. So um, for, you know, you either, you either don't have a gym available or it's terrible gym. Um, I mean, I think most of us have been in a hotel and you look in the gym in the hotel and it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, they've got a, you know, uh, a, a treadmill and a couple of five pound weights and that's it, you know, right, right. um, so what are you supposed to do with that? Um, no weights or the weights are terrible. Uh, no track or no designated place to run or to walk or whatever. Um, no pool or the pool's terrible. You know, a lot of, a lot of hotels have pools, but it's just for people to get into i mean it's more for the kids than it is right anything else you don't have a 25 meter pool you know you're not going to bring your 50 pound rucksack on the airplane i mean my my son just flew out the other day and um you know they they wanted to charge him for every single bag that he brought and uh so we said to hell with that and we FedExed it so
4: yeah it's (laughs) cheaper cheaper Right.
3: right yeah for the FedExes, so you're not going to bring that. You're not going to bring kettlebells or your your plate uh, plate loaded dumbbells. You know, um, you know. Then you've got limited time and you've got limited facilities. Just in general, you know. Um, so then, what do you do about that? You've got to overcome that somehow. Um, and you know, this is something that I learned a lot. You know, we used to travel through Europe in the '90s a lot, um, and I mean, there were times when we were there for two months, and you really had to figure out. You know, just what the heck were you going to do? And so we, we did a few things. We can talk about those as I go through the, the list of solutions, but there were some things we did that were good and some things that we did that were just really, really stupid. So <laughs> um, I don't uh, – do you want me to roll right into those?
2: Yes, please. Well, and, and, okay. and, and you know, and, and and I want to say something. I was faced with this when I traveled on sales. huh. I would leave on a Sunday and come home on a Friday, and mm-hmm. I would be staying in hotels. And, yeah. it, and and the hotels had crappy gyms, as you point out. So this isn't just for the military. Um, no. Sure, when you're traveling on business, you can expense a couple day passes at you know a gym locally, but they're ridiculously expensive. $20 a day is stupid. And yeah. so I had to find ways to train in my room and use <laughs> furniture. So I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say.
3: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I will tell you, anyone that's traveling out there, if ever you get the opportunity to get stranded in Chicago, uh, stay at the Hilton that's attached to the hotel because they have a full blown, um, uh basically it's a Gold's gym in the basement. And I mean, it's full on, they've got everything down there Wow! and it's, it's free to the guests of the Hilton. So, um, that's the best I've ever seen. It's just shocking. It's amazing. Um, but, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, so when it, as we roll into the solutions a little bit, gyms, you remember back probably when you were doing that, uh, like you said, like you could go in and you could work out for $20, or if you were a Gold's Gym member, you could go to any Gold's Gym in the country. Remember that? Yep. Yep. They, they don't do that anymore. No. They, they've broken it down where it's more of a franchise, like an individual franchise, that, and they don't honor anything with the others. So that's shut down. Um, Bally's
2: used to do the same thing, but then Bally's went went away, you know?
3: Yeah. I think they all used to do that. And and the other thing is that a lot of the ones that, uh, you know, the quality of the gym, it's very hard to find a good gym anymore because, for example, uh, I've, I've walked into so many gyms, even big brand names, and it's just filled with crappy machines. There's no free weights in the entire place. And then they want $20 to use their horrible machines. Right. Um, so that's really difficult. So I, it's just not something that you can, that's not something you can count on. It's not something that you can get on the internet anymore and look ahead and say, well, I'll go to this gym. I just, I wouldn't even bother um, to to even think of that as, as an option anymore. Um, But then there's a big obvious thing, right? One of the things you can do that most people don't really think about is walking, get out there and walk one hour per day. And this, I really learned when I was in Europe because we would stay in these hotels and a lot of the guys, they would basically figure out where McDonald's was. (laughs) And then that was it. They went to McDonald's and they went to the club and they didn't explore the city at all. Well, I would get up in the morning if we didn't have anything to do. And I would walk around the city for the entire day, just seeing what I could find. And it's just amazing. The things that you'll find. Uh, I remember being in Zaragoza, Spain and running into a guy in a cigar shop who had, Done, uh, gone to high school in New Hampshire, right across the border from where I'm at, probably about 20 miles from where I'm standing right here, and we had a huge conversation about the Northeast Kingdom of, of Vermont and Northern New Hampshire in Zaragoza, Spain, in a cigar shop. I mean, wow. it's awesome. But you also find that a lot of cities and a lot of places in Europe, especially, they're still very they're very active. Everyone walks everywhere, and they don't mind people running. It's it's looked upon as a good thing. Um, so just walking around and walking briskly and walking along is a great way to go. Um, conversely, of course, if you're stuck in Chicago today, I'd probably get on the treadmill. I I normally, I normally discourage the treadmill, but you know, if you've got to do something active, I would get on that treadmill for a solid hour. So, um, so there's that, um, Running and jogging of course is a is a natural extension. I mean it, it doesn't take much to bring your running gear, right? Some right. shoes, some socks,
4: Sneakers, shorts,
3: yeah. shirt, yeah. you know. Um and what I would do is I would walk to find a route and then run it, whether it was after that or the next day or whatever it is, but find find at least one route that you would really like to run, pace it out, figure out how long it is, and then just go for a run. And that's been some of the coolest the coolest runs I've ever been on have been through again, European cities or, or even figure out a way to get it to the outskirts of the city. If you have a rental car, take a taxi. Um, I remember running in uh, Granada, Spain. We, it was just beautiful. These roads that were up on the very tops of the mountains and we would just go for 90 minute runs up there. Um, and it was just, it was just some of the most amazing physical training I ever did in such a picturesque place. So, um, and then likewise, I mean, there's, there's, uh, runs through, um, you know, Frankfurt, Germany that were really just really cool, kind of a urban obstacle course kind of kind of thing. So mix it up, have fun with it, you know. Right. All um This so. next
2: this next one is a great one. In fact, something I've had to discover <laughs> well because you know cuz I'm having surgery on my foot in February. Yeah. And it's gotten so bad that even the elliptical, you know, uh mm-hmm. machine makes me sore by the when I get home at night. It's like I know I did cardio that day. Yeah. This next one is is something that none of us can escape, the ability to do. Most of us live in homes with staircases.
3: That's right. That's right. Hotels have a lot of stairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is something that uh guys that are that uh know me from the old pararescue days will will appreciate uh because I'm I'm gonna throw a, a buddy of mine under the bus uh uh he and I uh my good friend Jed Worley and I back in the day we were in Zaragoza, Spain, at the Hotel Boston, uh, just, to, just to do the name drop for the guys looking to see if I'm BSing anyone. And Judd and I got up one day, and we said, you know, this running around the city thing and walking and push-ups in the room and stuff, that's cool and all, but let's do something hardcore. And so you have to understand, this is like a 30-story building. right? And we decided that we were going to run the stairs. And so we just jogged these stairs all the way to the top and the bottom. And I want to say we did that three times. And, I mean, it was absolutely brutal doing it. And we thought, man, we are, we are manly men. We are, like, this is amazing how hardcore we are. Uh, we've just done this three or four times. It was great. Like, some of the guys came out, they're like, what the hell are you doing? And, you know, we're bragging and boasting. Well, this is this is where that whole thing of maybe maybe doing too much is a, is a bad thing. Uh-huh. Um, we couldn't walk; literally, could not walk for the next seven days. Really, and and we had a mission to do. Yeah, we, we had things we had to go do, and we required the, the other guys to help us out of the hotel to the taxi through the airport. You, and we left you, so you're not you're not
2: exaggerating here. You're you're being sincere. No. Like you was crashed. You completely trashed. Uh,
3: yeah, we absolutely, yeah. I mean, literally could not work, uh, walk without assistance. So um, it, it was just it's absolutely. A lot, so it's brutal. a lot
2: harder than it sounds. And it's a lot harder than doing the step mill, too, because people don't realize it. But when you do the step mill, the stairs are moving in the opposite direction. So your body yeah. really, your legs really aren't lifting your total body weight with every step. When you do yeah, real there's stairs, real there. there's a big, big difference than doing real stairs and a step mill.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's the same deal with the treadmill. Why the treadmill is really not that that big a thing. It's, um, or, or I'm sorry, not not that great a machine because you're not you're not doing anything in the propulsive phase of gait. Right. And so when you when you don't do that, I mean, all you're really doing is just working your hip flexors the whole time. If you
2: look you know? at most people when they do the stair the step climber, they yeah. step up and they ride the step down. They don't lift their right. body up.
3: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're getting really more of like kind of a quad glute workout while they're doing it. You know, um, when you've got to propel yourself up, um, and, and and do so, you know, constantly, I mean, that's a whole nother story. It's such a, such a huge difference. So when it comes to using stairs, the the thing here is there's a couple of things I, I would recommend walking stairs because honestly you can get quite out of breath and, and, get a lot of benefit from doing that. You're doing real step-ups. Re- you know, that's the real stair ma- right. uh, Stairmaster machine, you know. So that's good. And, and even with walking it, I say, you know, be careful. Just walk to the point where it kind of gets you out of breath, and then stop. Note where you stopped, and tomorrow, walk one flight of stairs higher. You know, just progress it like that. Don't, don't seek to smoke yourself out because, you know, you don't want to end up like, like Judd and I did. So um, running the stairs, you know, I've already given you the warning on that. Be careful, but it's a it's a great thing to do. I mean, this was something from way back in the athletic days, whether you're running uh, stairs that you find in, in um, uh, I would say, stadiums. But before stadiums, way back in the day, what they used to do, like in, in Sweden and Norway, was you would have these um, logging projects where they'd put through um, – power lines and pipelines and all mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. and they would build stairs into the side of the hill so that they could get the the supplies up and down and they used to um used to run those stairs uh, and then there's pictures of guys like running the stairs um out on the beach in um in in los angeles as i recall um down by muscle beach and actually it's pretty flat there but there's uh, somewhere else in that area
2: elisa and i went to uh um michigan not too long ago i'm sorry uh-huh. uh no, not Michigan. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota? Yep. And they have uh, dunes there by the Great Lake, uh, whatever lake that is that, that, that's that oh, yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. they have stairs. Uh, several of the beaches have, like, n- stairs to the top of the dunes. And it's like yeah. 62 flights right. of stairs <laughs> up to the top of the dunes. And so Lisa and I did that. We walked it. We didn't run it. Yeah, But we would walk it, and every fifth landing – we would drop and do push-ups, and then we would walk, nice. another five landing, and we'd drop and do push-ups. But dropping and doing push-ups was a chance for me to catch my breath. Right. <laughs> because, you know, people think, you know, it's one thing to go up 13 flights, uh, thirteen steps in your house to go to your, your bedroom and then come back down. You're like, oh, that's pretty simple. By the second uh-huh. and third flight of stairs, now you're working.
3: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Well, that's yeah, and that's uh, like you said. You can find those stairs anywhere. I mean, when you mentioned that, it it brought me back to you know, there's places in Florida you wouldn't think there'd be stairs in Florida, but on the beach where they've got the dunes and the the wildlife preserves, there's stairs all over the place, and there's quite a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah,
2: that's another absolutely. So what is this here? I want to pronounce this the right way without abusing someone's name. What's the fartlek, fartlek (laughs) stair
3: approach? Yeah, fartlek is a is a a running method that they use. Um this is something that came out of Scandinavia. I want to say it was Sweden. And you know, typically on the road it's, it's characterized by uh alternating bursts of speed. So let's say that you you go for a jog, but then you run all out for let's say 1 minute or 2 minutes or 5 minutes or or whatever it is. Um and, and that's a, a very good method of building speed for runners. But you can use that, that, um, that methodology, if you will, on something like stairs. So, for example, let's say, you, you know, you've got a hotel or you've got stairs anywhere that you found them, as long as they've got um, where they turn and you've got different flights of stairs. So run one, walk one, run one, walk one, or run one, walk two. Two, right, depending you know? on your conditioning, right. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Maybe you run two and walk one. I don't care, you know, but don't run it all together. Give, give yourself a little bit of recovery time. And then I love what you said. You know, Hey, stop in between. If you really need to either rest or do some type of calisthenics work there. Um, you know, just something quick, 10, reps of something, you know, all it takes. Really, really
2: easy. I want to take a break, and then I come back and we talk about calisthenics, since you've already yeah. evoked it, because it's an important discussion. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. uh, being in college and getting a hold of the Royal Canadian Air Force training yeah. manual, and they have, have an that. amazing set of calisthenics in there that you burst through, and it kicks your butt. Oh, yeah. And so for people who think that calisthenics is like, you know, yeah, I'm squatting 500 pounds. I'm not going to pay attention to that. You want to hear this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Military Fitness Radio.
5: From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar, now comes the Quest high-protein potato chips with 21 grams of high-quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be.
2: There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in Can-See Eye Drops. I've been using Can-See for six months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using Can-See Eye Drops for 11 years now and I credit Can-See Eye Drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at Fifty-eight years old. Cansee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely? That's why I both use and endorse Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how Cansee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your
0: vision today. If you suffer from abdominal bloating, relief is here. Introducing. Developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist, it relieves bloating where it starts, in the small bowel. That's why
5: Atrantil.
0: works, while other remedies don't. In clinical trials, 88% of bloating sufferers who use prescription medications with no relief found
5: Atrantil.
0: relieve their symptoms, and it's available without a prescription, because
5: Atrantil
0: is made from a patented molecular combination of botanical extracts. It's not a probiotic, plus it's natural, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO.
4: A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L, t i l
0: Atronteal. Even the name is proven to make you feel better.
1: Go to lovemyTummy.com and use code SHR for ten percent off. That's code SHR at lovemytummy.com. LovemyTummy.com.
2: Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from Livon Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Livon Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing.
1: you'll gain with it. Do you know how to properly use carbohydrates
2: to ignite your performance in the field and in the gym? You will now, thanks to this free book by EFX Sports. The Carb User's Guide for Maximum Performance reveals why omitting carbohydrates from your diet can totally crush your gains. Ever wonder how many grams you need for your specific sport? Not anymore. We give you the critical number you need to dominate your competition. You'll even discover the super carb that's taking the athletic world by storm. You must try it to believe it. Go to GetCarbolin.com forward slash carb guide today and get your copy absolutely free. Once again, it's G-E-T-K-A-R-B-O-L-Y-N dot com forward slash C-A-R-B-G-U-I-D-E.
1: This is the Super Superhuman channel, evolution just got kicked up a notch.
4: Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high voltage rods.
2: Welcome back to Military Fitness Radio with Nate Morrison. So, there's been a a movement afoot um, to promote calisthenics. And there's some sort of magic that happens when you start doing calisthenics. Uh, Rob Regish and I talked about it numerous times on the show.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when you start using your own body weight and, and you have it traveling through space and you're supporting it, whether it's, whether it's jumping jacks or lunges or, you know, uh, body weight squats or, uh, press ups or push ups or whatever you want to do. Um, there's, there's something intelligent that happens to the body. That's undeniable. Anybody who's done calisthenics for a long enough time knows that the body instinctively and intuitively starts to get rid of unnecessary baggage, whether that be body fat or even excess muscle, uh, that's not actually contributing to your ability to execute the, the, the movements. And when you look at people who are devotees of calisthenics, they are almost always ripped lean and muscular and agile and it's almost like if anybody's ever owned hot rods you know when you're trying to pick the right rear end and gear ratio in your transmission when every single gear is dialed in every single gear pulls you know what i'm talking about it's like calisthenics dials your strength in what do you think of that statement am i crazy
3: no, you're you're not crazy. Um, the the thing that um, I, I may blow some people's head gaskets to uh, to use a, uh, an automotive term there with this, but the the thing is because I, I thought about this for a very long time and I I had to really it, I had to do a surprising amount of research to come up with the answers uh, about what is it about calisthenics and the difference between calisthenics and lifting weights. What is it? That makes them different. What are the differences? Why does it matter what the differences are? And ultimately, I ended up back in uh, regular just grade school physical education curriculum. And the fact of the matter is, is that human movement is classified across three primary domains. The first one is locomotion. So anything where you're walking, you know, walking, running, jumping, anything that moves you across the surface of the earth is locomotion. Um, uh, and to that, you know, you could add swimming as well. So the next one is body control and body control, it, you know, initially in the beginning, you know, we have to learn how to move and control our bodies, but people don't understand that that is its own domain of, of movement. And it's not the, and, and you're looking at these three domains separately. It, it's not locomotive and it's not the other one that I'll mention in just a moment. It's very specific. So push-ups. Body weight squats, pull-ups, these are body control. And what you have, you, you touched on a, a little bit of the terminology. It, it's those of the ability to move your body through time and space. And that's a very high-skill event because the entire body has to coordinate itself. So neurologically, it's, it's a very neurologically demanding thing. And it's also driving a huge amount of skill. Body control is all about skill. Skill And there's a whole wide range of different types of skill that you're developing, depending on the complexity of that body weight movement. And you can't replicate that complexity with something that involves weights, which brings us to the third domain of human movement, which is object manipulation. So if I shoot a bow and arrow, if I shoot a gun, if I tie my shoes, that's object manipulation. If I build a Swiss watch with my hands, that's object manipulation, but so is barbell curls, and so is barbell bench press, and so is any resistance training. It's object manipulation, and those tend to be incredibly simple from a neurological point of view. Uh, even even complex lifts, as they're called, you know, if you did something like the Olympic snatch or the Olympic clean, which is complex, or you strung together a clean squat press, those are still three very simple movements that are being strung together to manipulate an object. Um, And there's a little bit of the body in there. But because, for example, in in all of those, you're only really moving in one plane of motion. And so this movement isn't a multi-planar movement, or if it is, it's only two. Um, It's not the rest of it. So the complexity is very low. So, uh, And then the other thing to consider is that when you're doing this, uh, for example, the push-up is moving um, roughly sixty to eighty percent of your body weight, depending on the joint angle that you select. Well, how much do you weigh? You know, for the average infantryman, they're going to be pushing, uh, you know, about one hundred and ten pounds ish. Right. Um, but it just kind of depends for everyone. Well, if you really think about it, it's a higher skill way of pressing what would otherwise be uh, two. Uh, 24 kilo kettlebells for example on the floor press so it's, it's a higher skill higher neurological activation activity than the object manipulation um, equivalent to it if you will so it has a very profound effect on the human body and it's a requirement if you're going to do anything skill related you've got to be a master of controlling your own body versus controlling a single object in one or two planes of motion so
2: Yeah, no, it's it's and and what you said earlier in the discussion about the collateral activation of Mm -hmm. of nerve innovation and muscles working together. You know, you're holding your body in a plank and you're pushing, so Mm -hmm. it takes a lot more neural activation and energy to do that than it does to press the the to press anyway. And and like Charles Staley says, the push-up is a much better movement than the bench press the problem is loading you know Mm -hmm. loading the body wearing a weight vest so let's talk about your approach to calisthenics you you say one to two sets to failure that's all you really need in calisthenics right
3: yeah and there's a lot of different ways to do this i mean but i think that I, i wrote that down because i think that's what's most satisfying to people people like the, the high reps. The problem is, is that they, you know, because they feel like they've done something that they've challenged themselves, but in a minute we'll, we'll cover a different approach that, um, I think may change their mind on what a challenge really is. Um, but, but typically doing, doing that is, is oriented more towards strength endurance. And so if, you know, instead of doing sets of 10, you know, if you're knocking out a set of 30 or 40 or 50 pushups, whatever, um, you're really going to feel it. You're going to challenge the muscles a lot. And, you know, you're going to walk away with that, knowing that you've, you've really challenged those muscles. If that's the approach that you like to take and that's fine. And, and it's just kind of a throwaway recommendation that I give to people, um, you know, because you have to remember too, it's, this is a temporary situation. You're just going to go back and go into the gym and do whatever you're going to do. So, you know, make yourself feel it, challenge it a little bit and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, you could also do, you know, five sets of 10, you know, which is a fabulous way to go. I mean, um, you know, four sets of 25 is pretty profound, um, for the impact that that will have on say an an army PT test. Um, and then if if you, you know, the thing that people should understand about calisthenics is that the way that you make them more challenging is let's say that you, let's say you're not going to up the complexity of the exercise per se. But you can change the joint angle, and you can change the speed mm-hmm. so go go really fast, for example. so one of the problems that most people uh, run into is they don't do the calisthenics fast enough, and the reason for that, of course, is because they don't feel very secure in doing that. Well, that means that they haven't really kind of greased the groove on that motor pattern so the thing But the thing that people never really do is they don't work on it enough, so they don't have confidence in the movement. So a lot of people don't like doing push-ups really fast, or if they do, they do it with terrible form within a range of motion that they're confident in. right? But you should develop the full range of motion and be able to do that very quickly because acceleration has a very unique property. And so if you're afraid of losing strength, don't be. And I'll, I'll tell you a story from um, uh, uh, Dr. Squat. Uh, Dr. Fred Jones.
2: Hatfield, yeah.
3: Yeah, he... Um, so he went over to Russia. He wanted to be the first American to squat a 1,000 pounds. And he went over there, and he, and he told them what, what he was doing. And, and they said, well, no, 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 no. You don't do that. Said, take that weight and cut it in half and just increase the speed that you do that. So, you know, take 500 pounds and work on increasing speed because, lo and behold, when it comes to physics, that acceleration imparts a load all into itself. Right. And you can see this. Do a push-up, get a, a big scale, and do a push-up on that scale, but do it slowly, and then do it fast. And you're going to see an impulse where the load increases dramatically.
4: Yeah. And,
3: and that's what's going on. Um, so if you increase the speed, and so if you, if you want to give yourself something more tangible to that, do clapping push-ups where you push up so hard that you come off the ground and you can clap your hands mm-hmm. and go back down. You're only going to be able to do a couple of them, you know, two to five, maybe.
2: I, I, I'm I've been working on those, uh, so I have progressed from being able to do 25 push-ups where my hands come completely off the ground. Uh-huh. Because nice, I don't want to crash and hit my face. Um, <laughs> and so and so, I'm getting to the point where now I'm I'm pushing up. My hands are coming off the ground, and they're gently. My elbows are gently breaking, and then going back down, and, and finishing a push up. And I predict that in, in the next couple months, I'll be able to start doing clapping push ups again.
3: Excellent, excellent. And, and there's lots of different ways to to play with this. You know, for example, you can go explosive up, and then you can go incredibly slow down, and you can do this for all of the different exercises. You know, just just play with the different different speeds. Uh, you know, maybe you go really fast down, catch yourself and go really slow up. You know, um in Russian martial art we often do calisthenics uh oh, actually every training session, we do calisthenics that are called quasi isometric and they are extremely slow. I mean we're talking about uh up to a four minute rep, one push up four minutes. that slow. It's absolutely brutal. You'll lose your mind trying to do it in the beginning. Right. Um so there's all kinds of different things that you could do with all of this, um, but especially if you're worried about losing strength, then make your calisthenics low rep and very high high speed high power.
2: Now on this list here, you have press ups, but that's what you call a push up. You call that a press up?
3: Yeah, I I'm a stickler for um, for terminology and definitions, and so when I when I really look at it, the thing about a press is that a, a press technically is is a movement that involves really just the shoulder joint. So whether we're pressing forward or pressing overhead or pressing down, whereas technically a push involves something more like pushing a car where we're, we're pushing legs. something, moving, you yeah. know, using the legs, using the whole body and some very different things. So I try to use the old traditional terminology of, of press up. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm never going to call pull-ups heaves, that's just silly. Um, as, as a shout out to my, uh, British and Australian friends, um, that confused me forever when they called pull-ups heaves. I don't know what that is, yeah. <laughs> but, what,
2: um, what what about the body weight squat? A lot of people poo-poo the body weight squat. It's really, you know, if you're not squatting real weight with a bit, uh, weight on your back, you're really not doing anything, but you feel that by, again, manipulation, perhaps of stance, speed, um, yeah. And even uh, Mike Boyle likes to say, hey, just do pistol squats once in a while. Do a one-leg squat. You just double the weight right. that your leg is handling.
3: Any variation, any variation. Um, this, this is something like, you know, there's just typically all this hatred from the, the gym-exclusive crowd. And, and here's the thing that I, I think this is one of, the, one of the reasons that there's so much hatred is that they can't do it. So, for example, I have taken, and I've done this to myself, by the way. I've, I've learned this lesson the hard way. You take someone that can squat 400 pounds and ask them to do 50 bodyweight squats and they can't do it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's quite comical, actually. And I think because they can't do it, uh, they, you know, they, they get an attitude and they don't want to have anything to do with it, so they poo-poo it and, and all that. But really think of the implication of that. If you're doing body weight squats, you're practicing moving your body through a primal movement pattern, a basic fundamental movement pattern and then you take a six hundred pound squatter and he can't do this he can't do it well, to me, I'm looking at that saying, well, you know when the lights go out and the you know the Chinese send that e m p bomb over and there's no electricity, and we're out in the wild, he's the first one that dies
2: he's the, no he's gonna so I had this strange thought about five or six years ago that if there really wasn't ever an invasion by uh, aliens from other planets, yeah. and, and in fact, they were cannibalists, uh, they decided they, they eat humans,
5: right. um,
2: they're going to eat all the bodybuilders first because that's basically a... I mean, if you look at it, you look at what qualities <laughs> we look at in a cow, right? Nice right. marbled muscle, not a lot of yep. subcutaneous fat... Just a lot yep. of muscle because that's what we want to. They would just they would just put all the bodybuilders in <laughs> in a corral and, <laughs> and and one at a time eat them because they would be right. good eating you know except for all the drugs they use other, other than that right
3: no you're right well, it's like mean, they're
2: the first ones that are going to go for sure
3: right and and we don't even have to get that bad I mean literally if the power goes out I mean that's it these guys are done yeah.
4: if
2: the
3: power goes out and there's no gas you know like yeah. that's it yep. it's over. Um, you know, so it, 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 you know, it's great that you can squat, you know, 600 pounds or whatever, but when you do that at the expense of a basic fundamental primal pattern where, you know, uh, a one-year-old has you beat, I, I think we got to reexamine what the hell we're doing. You know,
2: um, uh, mobility, now you mentioned mobility briefly when we were talking about calisthenics, but this is where mobility mm-hmm. comes into when we talk about the squat. So something I've discovered, you know, with my messed up left foot, I've started to discover that. Yeah. My left ankle mobility is really shot. When uh-huh. I try to get down in the squat, and, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, as a kid, I used to see those pictures of the VC squatting and smoking cigarettes, right, yeah. in the Vietnam War. They'd literally yeah. be sitting. Their asses would be on their heels. They'd be sitting yeah. like that for hours. Yeah. They were comfortable yeah. like that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, how do you do that? Like, if I get down in there, it hurts my knees. It hurts everything. I got to, you know, I have an old saying. That thing that you hate to do, do it. You hate to do it because you suck at it. That's why you need to do it. And one of the things I've been practicing at night while watching television, I'll I'll do like almost a sissy squat. I'll grab something, a piece of furniture, and I'll get down like that, and I'll stay there for as long as I can. And what I'm learning is, has nothing to do with my joints. It's Mm -hmm. all about muscle stretching and letting me relax into that position.
3: It, yeah, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it's actually all the different tissues involved, you know, from your joint capsule to your tendons, your ligaments, your fascia, your muscles, everything, um, you know, because if you watch children, they're, they're naturally do this, and then you have to really think about it, what do we do? We then pick the child up off the floor, and we put them on a, on a chair or on a couch, and we've got these kids sitting then for hours a day, um, either in our homes watching TV or in school, and then after school, you know, so they're losing function. I mean, right when, when kids really should be like boom, taking off, we're forcing them to be more sedentary, and they're losing what what we as human beings are designed to do or be able to do. So right off the bat, that's the first thing that our education system does is cripples us. So, for example, um, children when they're growing up, uh, so for example, in the lunge pattern, so. Children go upstairs, and by the age of five, they can go upstairs, but they need to use the handrail. And by seven, they should be able to go up without using the handrail, and they should actually be able to run up and downstairs by seven or eight, thereabouts, and whatnot. And so what what I'm getting at is the lunge pattern is kind of one of the more complex of those early fundamental movement skills. And then from that point, our children should continue to develop and just take off physically. And we put them in a chair for eight hours a day. And then we put them in front of a television. And when they do not practice those physical movement skills, when they don't go out and play and do all that rough and tumble stuff and learn to climb and swim and, and just be crazy kids, they lose all of that. And then when, you, you know, when you're faced with this 18-year-old or 22-year-old or, or whatever, you know, you're looking at, really, you're looking at a five-year-old or less that you have to retrain them how to do these movement patterns, and and they lose things like that ability to squat. One of the things that absolutely infuriates me in the fitness industry is all these ridiculous articles about squatting. Well, should you squat? Should you squat at all? Are squats bad for you? You know, if you have you know a greater trochanter on your femur like this, then you can't squat beyond this, and blah blah blah. And I'm going. You know, have any of you people ever been to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq, Vietnam, all of Africa? Do you not think that all of these differences exist in these populations? And literally every human being, untouched by the modern world and forced to sit in chairs for their entire lives, slots all the way to the bottom, no matter what, with zero detrimental effect, all the way into their 90s. It's amazing right sometimes we become we
2: become uh, become paralyzed by thinking about stuff just do
3: it yeah all these articles written by you know grad students just because they're trying to make a name for themselves on some website it just pisses me off sorry
2: i want to i want to try to keep a pace here so so we the lunge is really kind of like a pistol squat if you will assisted pistol squat it's a one-leg squat you're you like the lunge huh
3: I love the lunge. The, the lunge is, um, is, is very important. Um, we have to remember that with the lunge, you know, you can start it if you're not particularly good at it. If you've got uh, a lot of folks from sitting, they just, they don't lunge well. And so, for example, they may have pain in doing a forward or even a backward lunge. And so they have to uh, regress into the, um, the split squat, as they call it, um, where you're not actually doing a full lunge. And then you can kick that up a notch. You know, you can make that explosive. You can lunge in different directions. Um, Paul Check has a great, a great one where he calls it the multi-directional lunge, uh, where you lunge, um, backwards and then back at a diagonal, then to the side, then forward at a diagonal, and then, uh, straight forward. And you do that for each leg. It's, it's a wonderful exercise, especially when compared, um, I'm sorry, when, uh, you integrate some other movements in there. The the thing that people have to remember about the squat and the lunge is that these are the ways that we transition. You know, if you're looking for why is this important, you know, in life, this is how we transition to and from the ground is either by squatting or lunging. And uh, so it's it's very important that you be able to do this because otherwise it's a weak point for you. But it's something very simple that you can do in your hotel room. Same thing with bodyweight squats and any of the variations of that that you can do. Um, And I would prioritize um, I would prioritize the lunge over the squat. Quite frankly, I mean the squat's very important, but given that the lunge is is weak on everybody, I would I would prioritize the lunge.
2: Yeah, because it, it takes a little balance, and there's a lot more to it. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about a, a movement that I really think has no place in this discussion, and I'm gonna challenge you. Okay. And that is the sit up okay mm-hmm. so we're talking to Nate Morrison today this is a Military Fitness Radio you don't have to be in the military to appreciate the discussion you can be an average person who just wants to be a badass you'll learn how to do that on this show stay tuned properly use carbohydrates to ignite your performance in the field and in the gym? You will now, thanks to this free book by EFX Sports. The Carb User's Guide for Maximum Performance reveals why omitting carbohydrates from your diet can totally crush your game. Ever wonder how many grams you need for your specific sport? Not anymore. We give you the critical number you need to dominate your competition. You'll even discover the super carb that's taking the athletic world by storm. You must try it to believe it. Go to getcarbolyn.com forward slash carb guide today and get your copy absolutely free. Once again, it's G-E-T-K-A-R-B-O-L-Y-N dot com forward slash C-A-R-B-G-U-I-D-E.
0: Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenodrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenodrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with a little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenodrex, the world's absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. U.S. Wellness
2: Meats is the leader in home-delivered high-quality animal protein. Grass-fed beef, lamb, bison and dairy. Plus, wild-caught seafood, heritage pork and free-range poultry. Everything delivered right to your door within days of your order. There is no one better to supply you and your family with the highest quality pastured meat product and dairy than U.S. Wellness Meats. Save 15% off when you use the coupon code SHR. Go to superhumanist humanradio.com and click the U.S. Wellness Week's banner ad today. The
0: benefits of a ketogenic diet are immeasurable. Health, resist disease, mental function, and even performance. But getting into ketosis can take weeks, if even at all. Now you can get into ketosis in 10 minutes. Ketokana is the first ketone powder that has been clinically shown to switch you into a ketogenic state by providing a rush of ketones into the bloodstream. Like to train fasted or want to spare more muscle glycogen during workouts? Take a shot of Ketokana and hit it Hard. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Keto Cana banner ad today. 74% of Americans are living with digestive issues. They take pills and
2: potions to mask the symptoms but never address the root cause. Introducing GI Ultramax Pro, a complex of scientifically substantiated all star ingredients that reestablish your gut's operating system, allowing you to be better shielded against the bad actors in your food and environment. The gut is complicated, and it takes GI Ultramax Pro to deliver real long long-lasting results. Go to superhumanradio.net and click the GI Ultramax Pro banner ad or visit MotherEarthLabs.com and use code SHR for free shipping. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from Live On Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live on Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at LiveOnLabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's livonlabs.com. L-I-V-O-N, labs.com.
5: Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert. But this is no ordinary dessert with 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, These bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars.
1: You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready.
2: Welcome back. So as we were going into the break, I kind of uh turned my nose up at the sit up. <laughs> I think there are so many better movements. If you're if you if you're doing a sit up to expend energy, okay. But if you're doing a sit up to truly affect the abs, I'm more a fan um of things that activate the abdominal muscles in the same plane, like inchworms. Uh, or even planking because the purpose of this, this, the, the abdominal muscles is to keep the, one of the, one of the important jobs of the abdominal muscles is to keep the spine from overextending. And I kind of feel like doing this, uh, sit up it only really hits half the ab muscles if, if that at all. And it hits them in a way that, um, creates almost a seam, um, in them. What do you think of that? Do You think I'm off base on this?
3: Not even a little bit. You're absolutely on, um, and 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 this is why we can be friends. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is why I'm not hanging up on you right now, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so there's
3: there's nothing that's been probably nothing that's been more other than than quote unquote cardio. There's probably nothing that's been more um, destroyed, bastardized, messed up, misrepresented, etc. Than than quote unquote core training and i'll tell you it's it's almost never that i see anything legitimate in this space it's all just the biggest bunch of baloney i've ever seen in my life um so as you mentioned the the the, the core or the abs or whatever you want to call that unit of muscles or that group of muscles um you know you you've got the transverse abdominus on the inside um, that's for bracing. You've got the internal and external, uh, rotators that are, uh, um, or obliques that, uh, um, are for rotation. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's for rotation, you know, up over the shoulders and the opposite, uh, hip and, and twisting of the, of the torso and all that. And then, um, you know, the rectus abdominis on the outside and lots of, uh, fascia in, in between it all. And, this idea of this obsession with, with sit-ups and crunches and whatever it, it comes from that asinine idea that we're going to build the rectus abdominis so that we can look good or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, the, the, the problem I think in the industry is that nobody knows or understands where any of this stuff came from or why. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's like burpees. You know, you see CrossFit out there prescribing burpees until you die well, the, the gentleman that invented the exercise said that you should never do burpees for more than 20 seconds at a time because it's supposed to measure power output. And it was a test he designed for the Army for power output. Mm. And, and now here we are abusing this exercise horribly because nobody understands a damn thing about it. You know, and, and so that's, you know, the devil's always in the details, as I say. Um, so sit-ups. Well, we have to, if we go all the way back, we have to, like, let's just forget about muscles altogether. We have to remember that sitting up is a primal movement. It's, 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 uh, torso flexion and hip, uh, hip hinging, uh, hip flexion as well. And that's really, really, really important in lots and lots of things, especially fighting. It's really, really important. Um, however, you don't need to do it for you know two hundred reps or or whatever, and you certainly don't need to do it within uh, within strict parameters. So, for example, well, and and so then historically, you know, we used to do straight leg sit ups, and then somewhere yeah. someone published some some studies that said that that was not safe for the back, right? The and lower it turns back, out, right, right, and it turns out that's a bunch of baloney. That's that's absolute junk science, and it's not true. That's been disproven for decades. Um, but, so then they went to what we could call something more along the lines of the of the military sit up which was the is the bent knee sit up right and that was actually done as a bridge exercise for people that couldn 't do uh, the straight leg sit ups very well right and then kind of kind of
2: kind of like the off the knee push up for the some, the person who can 't do a full push up it was like a yeah yeah,
4: yeah.
3: right uh, so then then they um uh, then, then the bodybuilding world said, "Well, we've got to really focus in on this rectus abdominis, and crunches became a thing." Now, crunches are the only real thing that is actually working the rectus abdominis quite the way that it should. And in fact, if you if you really wanted to isolate that muscle, you would get uh, into a situation where you're able to extend the spine about fifteen to twenty degrees um, uh, back, and then loaded, or maybe in a decline situation come up and, and squeeze as far as you can. If you wanted to do that, I don't think there's ever a reason outside of physical therapy to do that uh, or some very sport specific stuff. Uh, I remember Paul Check talking about working with football players because when they go up to catch a, a pass and they get hit from behind, what happened was because they'd not trained that negative range of motion – they would be severely compromised, mm-hmm. and so the stabilization didn't happen. And so when he, when he was able to do that with football players, um, it really dramatically reduced the, the amount of injuries from getting hit from behind. Um, as a matter of fact, the rate of injury was so bad for a long time that there were rules against hitting a guy from behind, uh, I think, at college ball, not the NFL. Um, but anyway... Um, So what we do now is the the bent knee sit-up is kind of silly because you get a little bit of rectus abdominis and then it transfers everything over to the hip flexors. And you really have to kind of wonder what the heck that's doing and where it's all going. And it's going nowhere is where it's going. Um, And then the idea of of doing, you know, 80 of them as fast as you can is is just retarded. I mean, there's just no reason for it at all. Um, Where I look at the sit-up, Is that it's a, it's a fundamental movement pattern. You have to be able to do it, but I don't want to lock you into anything. So, um, to me, this is something that the Russians taught me is do sit-ups from every possible angle and configuration that you can think of. And then when you're really good at that, you can load it up. And then, oh, by the way, work it into, for example, do a sit-up and then, um, do a sit-up into a shin box into a squat or a lunge to mm. get up and back down. Now we're doing something functional. Yeah. You know? Um if nothing else, uh sit up and then spin around on your butt into into a push-up position and and then reverse that. We call that um uh, belly backs where you're not allowed to um um you're not allowed to get up to go from your back to your belly. And those are absolutely brutal and they're fun and they're very effective, and you don't need to worry about form and technique and all the other silliness um, that goes into it. So it's a great, great exercise to do. I would really highly recommend that you guys try that. Um, I'll try to find a video and post it on social media. Um, but, but yeah, this whole thing of let, let's lock you in and just do mindless sit-ups and crunches,
4: it's
3: for the bird. There's no functional reason to do no, it, no. and there's no carryover. Yeah. So to hell with it what 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 exactly are flutter kicks so flutter kicks is when you you um, lay down on the on your back and you put your fists underneath your butt mm-hmm. uh, to elevate your pelvis just a little bit you point your toes and you kick each leg in a scissor manner um, like like, uh, you're, like
2: you're, you're you're like like you would if you were swimming in water, but you would be face down yeah. you would be prone this is you're doing it on your back
3: right right and exactly and this is an exercise used for um Uh, really heavily by combat divers um, just to build strength and stamina in the hip flexors. It's a a hip flexor specific movement um, and it's, and it can be pretty brutal, but it's helpful. And, and, you know, you can add things to it, if you will. Uh, Some of that Russian mobility work is, is nice to add to it. Um, And you can go at different speeds and whatnot. It's one of the things It's it's a favorite in the military. It's not a bad exercise to do. I just, I just really stress that stretch those hip flexors after and make sure that you're at least walking the stairs because um, what you have to realize is that everything comes in antagonistic pairs. And so if you're doing something that is a hip flexion, you've got to get your hip extension and you have to do it at a similar, um, a similar intensity and volume. So if you're doing 200 flutter kicks, you better walk a bunch of stairs and then stretch the heck out of them because yeah. you don't want the hip flexors to pull you into that forward flexion uh, situation that we that we have so often.
2: What's the uh, next one on the list? This, is, this looks interesting. I'll let you read eight, it.
3: The eight-count bodybuilder. When I first joined the Air Force and went into pararescue, this was still on the PT test. You had, I want to say, four minutes to do as many eight-count bodybuilders as you could, and I could be wrong on the time. It might have been two minutes. But the eight-count bodybuilder, the the starting position is standing at attention, but you can stand however you want it to. And then what you do is you crouch down and then shoot your legs back. Now you're in the front leading rest. And then you do two push-ups and then come back into the crouch position and stand up. And you're doing those as fast as you can. Hmm. Um, They are deceptively evil. Um, And you can make it easier by making it a six-count bodybuilder, which is just a... One push up instead of two. Uh, for some reason, the the military obsessed uh, on two with uh, two push ups in there. Um, but it, but what I like about that is that it involves a heck of a lot more than just. Yeah. um yeah. It, It's it's a multi planar exercise, right. and and you're 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 going through a bunch of different planes. It's not the greatest thing out there, but it's a it, it's one of those. If you're going to do one exercise, make it eight count bodybuilders. You're going to know about it within two minutes real quick. So, um, you know, really gets your heart rate going. Um, but it, it also allows you to get a lot of push-ups in and then gives you a little bit of rest because while you're transitioning through these other movements, your those muscles are getting just a little bit of rest. And so you can actually really work on a lot of volume by doing that. And, um, you know, you can, you can also do this, for example, with a heart rate monitor on where you stay at, a, at a, a lower heart rate. So, of course, your pace will slow down, and, and you can work on them. It, it, there's all kinds of different little ways to to tinker with this. But that's, that's kind of my, if someone says, what's the one thing that I can do? I say, well, do you have a pull-up bar? No. Okay, then do eight-count bodybuilders. Yeah.
2: I like that. Uh, anything else you can find in your room. So I used to do bent-over uh, rows with the uh, table. When I used to stay yeah. at some of the the hotels that actually had a little uh, like a, a little sitting area, and they would have a little coffee table. And a lot of times, it was like this faux marble, so it was pretty heavy, mm-hmm. and you could grab it narrow because it was usually oval or 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 rectangular. You can grab it yeah. from the nav- narrow side, or you can grab it from the wide side. And I used to <laughs> bend over and do do bent over rows with the with the uh, with the table.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is, um, I i threw some notes down below, and I'll just bring them up here to, to add on to that. You can travel with, you know, for example, it's nothing to bring um, resistance bands with you. And some of those things, you know, you get those, the, the bigger, thicker ones. I mean, there's a lot of resistance there. Um, you know, uh, traveling with a jump rope is phenomenal. You know, you can jump in the, in the bottom stairwell um, or something like that, probably not in your room. Um, but other things you could do, I mean, you could also add, um, I would get the, um, what is it called? It's called the jungle gym XT from, uh, from lifeline. And I beg you to get that one and not the TRX, the, the TRX, the folks that, uh, you know, did TRX, they ripped off the guys at lifeline. And, uh, so I, I would beg you to not give them your business. Um, and and the jungle gym is a, a superior product anyway, and you can, you know, but it's, um, you know, handles that you can well it's like a TRX obviously um but I think it's a little bit more versatile, you know, so you could do uh, inverted rows on, on your door, you know, um whether it's the hotel door or the bathroom door or whatever. Uh you can use those bands in any number of similar ways and um just a lot of that type of thing that you can do.
2: And travel so. with a jump rope. That's great advice because they're easy to put anywhere. And a jump rope is fantastic cardio.
3: It really is. Yeah. Yo, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you get lucky, swim laps. If if where you're going uh, has a, a pool that has laps, I mean, or uh, I'm sorry, is a 25-meter is pool that you can swim laps. Some of your higher-end hotels do have that because they know that the guys want that. So yeah, that's all something so you can do to we're
2: going well. to take a break and switch gears. We're going to actually come back and talk about nutrition on the road, which actually is a lot easier than you think it is. If you're willing yeah. to carry things like a can opener with you you know uh Mm -hmm. but yeah let's do this we'll take a quick commercial break when we come back we're going to hit nutrition while traveling it's a great discussion stay tuned you're listening to military fitness radio There are a few products that I believe in, the way I believe in Cansee eye drops. I've been using Cansee for 6 months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using Cansee eye drops for 11 years now and I credit Cansee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. Cansee eye drops improves the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse canCI eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how canCI eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high dose lipospheric vitamin C from Livon Labs. You too can benefit from Livon Lab's lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live on labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system period learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com L-I-V-O-N labs.com If you've followed my transformation on Facebook you've been wondering what I've done to create such dramatic results. One of the things is I've started every day with the Kegenix Prime and then trained fasted and remained fasted until my first meal at 2 o'clock. Kegenix Prime gives me all the energy I need while shutting down hunger. And since the ketones are bound to a quad-mineral blend, I'm getting all the magnesium, calcium, potassium, and sodium I need to keep my minerals in balance. Try Kegenix Prime yourself. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Kigenix banner ad today and save 25% off your first purchase. KeyGenics Prime. I couldn't have done it without it. U.S. Wellness Meats is the leader in home-delivered, high-quality animal protein, grass-fed beef, lamb, bison, and dairy, plus wild-caught seafood, heritage pork, and free-range poultry. Everything delivered right to your door within days of your order. There is no one better to supply you and your family with the highest quality pastured meat product and dairy than U.S. Wellness Meats. Save 15% off when you use the coupon code SHR. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the U.S. Wellness Meats banner ad today. Do you know how to properly use carbohydrates to ignite your performance in the field and in the gym? You will now, thanks to this free book by EFX Sports. The Carb User's Guide for Maximum Performance reveals why omitting carbohydrates from your diet can totally crush your game. Ever wonder how many grams you need for your specific sport? Not anymore. We give you the critical number you need to dominate your competition. You'll even discover the super carb that's taking the athletic world by storm. You must try it to believe it. Go to GetCarbolin.com forward slash carb guide today and get your copy absolutely free. Once again, it's G-E-T-K-A-R-B-O-L-Y-N dot com forward slash C-A-R-B-G-U-I-D-E. Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over-the-counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com.
1: This is the Superhuman Channel, where brawn and brains finally meet. Welcome back.
2: So, nutrition. I mean, this is a lot easier than people think it is, but too many people succumb to just going to restaurants because they're traveling, uh, they're probably on a budget, they're getting a... They're getting a per diem to spend on food, and what do they do? They just pull into a BJ's and get a cheeseburger and some <laughs> fries, and that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big mistake. Big mistake.
3: Yeah. Well, so there's two. There's a couple of different things, I guess. Two approaches in general. I think one is one is not as easy if you're if you're flying. For sure, it's it's something that's very very difficult to do, and that is to bring your own food with you. Um, now it's something that we did a lot in the military of because we're getting onto military airplanes and all that. And, you know, we had a, we had a routine, for example, you know, going into parts of Africa, we'd fly into Germany and then we would literally load up large boxes with, you know, staples, uh, of what we wanted to have. And a lot of times it was a little simplistic. I mean, a lot of guys were trying to save money on these trips and they'd go with just unbelievable amounts of, um, of peanut butter and jelly, you know, (laughs) Um, just eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, I tended to be a tuna fish guy. I would buy cases of tuna fish, um, and then I would make tuna fish sandwiches or just eat tuna fish uh, straight, and then we'd supplement with what was on the local economy or something like that. But you had to be careful in a lot of these places. But if you're driving, you know, for example, I'm going to be driving across the country here in a couple of weeks, and you know, I'll absolutely bring a whole bunch of my own food because it's really easy to do that. I mean, you just get a cooler and you put some fruit you know, some fruit, some yogurt, whatever in there, um, you know, some uh, vegetables, you know, celery with peanut butter or something like that. I mean, cheese, it's all-
2: cheese, cheese cheese, travels well. Cheese, you can leave yeah. it out, put it back in the fridge, and it travels well. High protein, high
3: fat, great yep. th- great option, great option. Right, right. And and speaking of that, since you invoked the protein word, I mean, this is another thing, but if you're driving, that's fine. You can bring supplements like protein and all that. Um, but boy, try going through TSA or, you know, try getting your bag that's got jugs of powder in it, you know, through TSA. I've done that and they don't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a bit of a pain and they really don't like, you know, bottles with lots of pills and, and, and although that's not as bad if it's in the original packaging, I'll tell you what, take those pills out of the bottle or those powders out of the bottle, put them into different containers yeah. and see what TSA does. It's I learned that the hard way. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> So, so then that kind of leaves us like if, if you're looking at the worst case scenario, what do you do when you do have to go out? And the, you know, there's a lot of things that we that kind of skip by us when it comes to eating at restaurants. And, and the first really big one is that restaurant food is so loaded with carbs and sodium, it would blow your mind. Um, I remember one time I went to Chili's and I got a. A chicken salad. I don't remember what the dressing was supposed to be and all that. But it had, for example, the, the tortilla uh, strips in it and it had a dressing. And I think some of the chicken had breading on it. And I thought just for kicks, I would look it up on my phone. And it turns out that it had, uh, more, more carbohydrates in that large salad than if I had gotten a burger and fries. And this is all. Well, it, it even
2: goes it even goes worse than that. I'll tell you why what I mean. Oh yeah. So just because you're a special operator, just because you are a badass, doesn't mean that your body isn't sensitive to certain foods. Yep. And if you're paying attention, you know what they are, right? Like for me, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but um I told the story on the show a couple months ago. About Elisa and I, like, I haven't had a real piece of pizza in a decade. I used to work in a pizza parlor. I used to make pizza. And so we were cooking, um, and I said to Elisa, why don't we order a Papa John's pizza?
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
2: And I ate three slices. And the next day, I felt like someone hit me and ran me over with a car. I'm not BSing you. Yes. Um uh, yep. i had I had strange phantom pains mm-hmm. I felt brain fog I felt terrible i mean i was i was and i said to elisa it's the pizza it's the only thing that I ate yeah. last night. so the reason I bring this story out is um you know if you're a special operator, if you're somebody who's out there and your your life is going to depend on your ability to to react appropriately, and you know there are certain foods. That just make you feel a little crappy. Uh, uh-huh. You don't know if that's in. Like I, I, I just found out that they put modified wheat starch in a lot of commercial dressings. So if you're somebody right. who wheat bothers you, and you go, "I'm gonna have the I'm gonna have the cheeseburger no bun, and I'm gonna have the salad with the blue cheese dressing." Look, I'm staying away from something that bothers me. Oh no, you're not. Right. And you right. don't know until the next day when you wake up in the morning, you feel like crap, and now you got to go out and do your business.
3: Yeah. Every time that I've cleaned up my eating, I can't go out to eat anymore. See? I can't go to restaurants. Every time. You, 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 it's like you're running on 110-octane on aircraft fuel, and then all of a sudden you're putting in diesel into your body. And it's that's, so it's really true. That's really what it feels
2: like. The cleaner you are normally with your diet, the worse you will feel if one little bit of crap gets into your diet people who people eat crap all the time they don't know what it feels like to feel good they don't know they don't know they don't know like oh my god you could feel that way really that no every day they work up wake up feeling like crap
3: that's right and that's their normal and they don't know it's similar to when people get chiropractic work for the first time and and they stand up straight for the first time in 30 years and they say, oh my god you know it's just unbelievable and it does that Well, and and then on top of that, they're always the restaurant is always going for the lowest cost as well. So, for example, you know, you're getting trans fat everywhere you turn. You know, uh, they're they're not using high quality butter and olive oil and whatever. It's as much margarine and trans fat, vegetable oil crap as they can as they can do.
2: Because remember, as long as it's under one gram of trans fat fat per serving, they can say zero trans fat. So, let's say a serving of that artificial. Uh, a shortening they're using to butter your bread with yep. is actually uh, a half of a pad of butter, and they right. and so that says zero trans fat. But they then smear the equivalent of six pads of butter, and now you just yep. got three to four grams of trans fats, and you and you maybe more. You know what I mean? You you, you right. think you think you're not getting it, but you are.
3: And, and portion size is part of that too. They'll they'll sell you a salad, but if you were to go like for example, this was from Chili's there when I got that salad. Um, you know, one of the things that, that just shocked me was that it was four servings. You have to look at the serving size. It says, oh, well, it's this. And, and, and you, 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 just that cursory glance, you say, oh, okay, well, there's only that much. But then you look at it, it's like, no, no, this salad is four servings. So actually now you have four times the amount of whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's why it's so bad. And of course, you know, because that's the thing that restaurants do, right? Is they just, they give you lots and lots. It's not, a real serving size. La- like, la- last know, thing I be- want to throw
2: out there, if you think you're going to a restaurant and you're buying steak, and it's not a, a Ruth Chris, and you're probably not eating a Ruth Chris if you're in, in the city to do these kind of things, um, you're, the, 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 the steak has most likely uh, been saturated and treated with a variety of agents, including MSG, mm-hmm. to soften them and make them more tender, because it's really a crappy cut yeah. of meat, but they got to make it tender for you. And then they cover that up by smearing the Uh, Butch Cassidy's dry rub all over the steak and you don't know what you're eating you can't even taste the steak you just taste salt and cayenne pepper and stuff like that like don't trust steak especially in places like Golden Corral like that's not steak man those are cows that probably died before they could kill them (laughs) you know what I mean you don't want that meat you don't want that in your stomach it's
3: loaded with chemistry
2: to make it taste
3: like that
4: so (laughs) exactly
3: I tend to look for places that that have food that's been as unprocessed as possible, and I eat a lot of salad. Even though you can run into problems with that, but but salad with um, with meat that's not been breaded, um, and, and I try to stick to you know restaurants that I I feel you know you're never going to get perfect, but but the least amount of damage. You know the least amount of obvious carbs, the least amount of obvious trans fats, massive amounts of sodium um, dyes and and um additives i mean it's unbelievable what some of these dyes and additives will do to you as well i mean, absolutely my brother has a yeah my brother has an allergy, I guess not anymore but uh, or it doesn't affect him in the same, but when he was a little kid, if you fed him uh, red dye. So for, we found this out because of red jello at, at birthday parties. Anytime you fed him red jello, he literally turned into the Tasmanian devil for about the next 45 minutes until his body metabolized that stuff. Really? Um, yeah, it was insane. And we narrowed it down to the, to the red dye. Um, but what does that red dye do to him today? Well, we don't know because there's no outward effect. So, right.
2: He can control you know. himself now. You know, I, I lost the majority of my weight while traveling on the road every single week and i had to become skilled at nutrition and i got to tell you something i stayed away from restaurants except Uh sushi bars i went to sushi bars and i got sashimi i didn't even get the rice i i could i could i could could sit down and eat six servings of raw salmon i mean like eight pieces of salmon per serving and and be and it cost me a hundred dollars but i mean I, I was satisfied, and I knew I ate something healthy, but the rest of the food I ate, except if I had to take clients out on business, I strolled into a Kroger's or a Ralph's, depending on what town I was in, and yeah. I walked through the aisles, I always had a can opener with me, got cans of tuna fish, I, I mean, I, I got cheese, I bought the yeah. same food that I would eat at home, I, I just nothing that I had to prepare and cook. I would even stay away from the rotisserie chickens because they load those up with all sorts of crap to make them juicy and taste like that.
3: Well, a lot of those are the, you know, they've been just ridiculously pumped full of hormones and antibiotics and and grown to be ridiculously large.
4: Yeah, I know. Um,
3: You know, so they're they're ridiculous. I will say, though, uh, you know, this is all for travel in the United States and Canada. Um, I will say that when you're in Europe. You're pretty safe. Uh, my my suggestion is stay the hell away from anything that that has America written on it.
4: Interesting. Um,
3: go go find the original food. I mean, all through um, all through France, uh, France, Spain, Italy, they have just amazing, amazing food that that is made still much more in, in the home. Uh, you know, homemade. There's, you have to understand a lot of these restaurants. They're they're old school. And they have their, their very jealously guarded secrets for this sauce or that sauce or whatever. And over there, you know, I remember going through the through the grocery stores, and they don't have any junk food. The junk food is confined to an end cap at the end of one aisle, and it's some basic potato chips and maybe like uh, uh, Toblerone chocolate, and that's it. You know, maybe some licorice. they you know, they just don't consume that. You know, you have to go to specialty stores for, like, chocolates and whatever. I mean, they don't. Their stores are not loaded with the garbage like ours is. And that extends all the way into Russia. Um, I eat just amazing food in Russia, even in Africa. Um, the, the food in Morocco is mind-blowing. Um, the food in Turkey, I, I, I didn't want to come home from Turkey. Really? It was unbelievable. Oh, just blows your mind. But the thing is is that in all of those places, they look down on additives. They look down on GMO. A lot of times, all of the stuff is banned in those countries. And so it's very easy to get really good food. You know, like in a lot of these countries, McDonald's have to have a completely different product and menu because it's unacceptable to that country to serve that crap. So it's, um, you're, you're, you're in good hands over there as far as really good food. Interesting. I think probably Germany is the only place that you got to look out for carbs because they bread a lot of things and yeah. they eat a lot of potatoes but um, but it's <laughs> it's so good it's uh, uh, wow. what about but supplements anyway.
2: you know every time I travel I have to make choices of which ones I'm gonna take what about you?
3: Uh, yeah I, I'm the same way and it, it's from what we talked about before where it's like you can't load up all these pills and powders and this and that what I do because I know I'm going out into different populations, I just focus on my health. So basically multivitamins with some extra vitamin C, extra vitamin B, stress complex, um, you know, if you've got good quality vitamin D and E, you know, those are kind of my big four go-tos on that. Um, if it's something where, for example, in the past, I've I've done some work with Mike Mahler's uh, testosterone stuff, and it worked really good, but I had to make sure that I packaged that well and that I put it in my carry-on baggage, um, and I was very careful about what I brought. Because
2: um, you don't know, uh, and, you don't
3: know, like, if you travel to Canada, DHEA oh, yeah. is
2: illegal to have without a prescription. You happen to have your DHEA capsules with you, and it's like, oh, no, right. you can't bring that in.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, they got, uh, I think they actually arrested Sly Stallone in Australia. Yeah, I remember mean, um, He had
2: growth yeah, hormone and
3: testosterone with him. Right, which was prescribed by a doctor. Right. No but, problem, you know, and, and he got there, and they said, yeah, no, I think they actually arrested the guy um so you do have to be very careful about that and it's an interesting thing because in a lot of these countries i mean you know they'll they'll ban that but then you can go in and get you know prescription drugs over the counter exactly you know, it's, exactly it's it's crazy so but i just stick to keep whatever's going to help me stay healthy is is what i try to do so i really when i'm on the road i try to i try to take in at least five grams of vitamin c a day um, to really keep that going, and if we're doing a lot of work, then I'm really pounding the B vitamins. You know, a good stress complex that's 100 milligrams of of the entire B complex. Yeah, like
2: the B100, um, the the B100. Yeah, yeah. just try yeah, to get exactly. just try to get one that has methylcobalamin instead of cyanocobalamin. Yeah. That's the only thing. Thank I'd say. you. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's a huge point. Methylcobalamin. It's so hard to to, to find out there. Yeah. So yeah that's all i that's all I do and then right obviously, now.
2: so you get home at the end of the night, right you've been on you've been working your job uh, it's a stressful thing you're you're doing all the things you can do,
3: you're eating right. What about recovery? do you just go to bed? well, other than stretching and eating well um and, and you know you can do stretching and eating well. you can bring with you a tennis ball or um I've got one of those miniature foam rollers that I like to use. Um, And actually, you know, depending on how sadistic you are, you can use just a little piece of PVC pipe or something like that. But I do that just to work the kinks out of things because, you know, traveling in buses, airplanes, staying in different beds, I mean, you're going to have little kinks and whatnot. So a tennis ball and all that kind of thing is nice. Sometimes these hotels have um, a a hot tub or a sauna that I would, you know, some people don't like that because it's public. Other people don't care. I'm pretty agnostic on it. Um, but what I love is is contrast showers um uh, both to both to wake up and to go to bed it 's free hot water you know <laughs>
4: um
3: i i i've got a saying i i 'm going to take a half hour uh shower of power and just you know go in there and let that hot water roll. What I do is I gradually work it up so it 's as hot as I can get it. I kind of remember where that is um well as hot as I can tolerate it right so put it that way. Right. And then what I'll do is I'll work it back down. I'll do that just for a few minutes and then I'll work it back down and go as cold as I can get it. And then I just challenge myself back and forth and it takes a while. I mean, I'm in there for like 30, 40 minutes and just adjusting that, um, to get a good contrast shower. And then I, when it's, uh, when it comes to end it, I do like to end it. This is a tip that I got from Tim Ferriss. I like to end it with cold. Um, and just stay in there until I absolutely can't stand it. It's so cold. Give it a you know a good amount of time until I feel chilled to the bone. Get out, dry off, and then get into bed. And I mean, you sleep like like a baby. I mean, it's unbelievable the sleep that you get from that. So that of course helps with your recovery and everything. Of so, course,
2: of course. And, and here's an interesting tip, and probably nobody is talking about what I'm about to talk about. So, for those of you <laughs> science geeks, you know there is actually some legitimate science behind grounding.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, and just like for one, one example, one I like to throw out at people that gets them to be interested in grounding, is there's, a, there's, a, there's something that happens to the red blood cells called the Rouleau effect. Uh-huh. This is when your red blood cells stack side to side, almost like you would stack casino chips. It makes them very, very difficult... To get into small blood vessels and they can actually, it actually increases the thrombotic index of blood, Rollo effect. It'll it'll (laughs) cause clotting, it'll it'll cause a lot of problems. And most of us suffer from this, this phenomenon. Uh, Probably out of 100 people, if they test them, 90 of them have the Rollo effect taking uh, effect to their blood cell, their red blood cells. So there was a study done that just uh, 10 minutes of grounding. They did this with people they, that, that were at work and they actually um, uh, had them with one of these grounding pads and a grounding clip on their arm while they were working and they tested their blood before and after and they saw that those who had the Rouleau effect taking place where the red blood cells were all sticking together, they all went end to, edge to edge like they're supposed to be. Well, here's an interesting phenomenon that no one thinks about. And you're, the light bulb is going to go off in your head immediately when I say this. You're grounding when you're in, in the shower. I, I mm-hmm. tested this, so I took a volt ohm meter. Only me, an idiot, uh, and I put put it on. <laughs> I put it on ohms, and I put one end in the ground side of the electrical outlet. It was the electrical outlet in the bathroom. <laughs> right. You know, that's the one that actually will throw if it gets grounded, right? Yeah. If it yep. goes, if it shorts, I put yep. one end in there, and then standing outside the shower, I'm not a complete idiot. I put the other lead in the stream of the shower, Mm -hmm. and it locked out. It went to ground. So that means Mm. that when you're in that stream of water – and think about it. Water is an amazing conductor. At some point, your water coming out of your faucet is coming from some some, some pool of water that's touching the earth or touching metal that's touching the earth. So Mm -hmm. that water – is grounding you. And I really think this is why showers feel so friggin' good. It's not just the – I know about how the water feels and activates the skin and norepinephrine and all that sort of stuff. I get that. I know about that, right? But there's other things. People will tell me, oh, I get the – all my great ideas come to me when I'm in the shower. Mm -hmm. I think that some of it's from the grounding effect of showers. Call me crazy, but I'm just saying. It
3: it, it very well could be. I, I wouldn't contest that at all.
2: So that's your grounding when you're in the shower. So spend some time in the shower. Don't just jump in and jump out because you're done shaving. You know, you stay in there for twenty, thirty minutes at a time, and and watch what happens to your health. So yeah, we uh, we have to talk about um, the force production method, and then we also have a listener question, and we have an in the news topic that we're going to cover <laughs> in this last segment. Okay, so we're going to okay. take our last commercial break, and when we come back. We've got these topics to cover. Stay tuned. You're listening to Military Fitness Radio. AnabolicMinds.com is the premier website for credible information on building muscle, burning fat, supplementation, and more. With over 100,000 active registered members and over 2.5 million posts, it's one of the largest communities on the Internet to get help and answers to your questions. It's also the place that the official Superhuman Radio Forum is hosted. Visit AnabolicMinds.com today and get into the action. AnabolicMinds.com. Learn. Teach leave
5: ever feel like you want something crunchy from the company that gave us the quest protein bar now comes the quest high protein potato chips with 21 grams of high quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients just like quest bars you'll feel like you're cheating But you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be.
2: Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over the counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com, Trojan Horse. 74% of Americans are living with digestive issues. They take pills and potions to mask the symptoms but never address the root cause. Introducing GI Ultramax Pro, a complex of scientifically substantiated all-star ingredients that reestablish your gut's operating system, allowing you to be better shielded against the bad actors in your food and environment. The gut is complicated, and it takes GI Ultramax Pro to deliver real long-lasting results. Go to superhumanradio.net and click the GI Ultramax Pro banner ad or visit MotherEarthLabs.com
0: and use code SHR for free shipping. The benefits of a ketogenic diet are immeasurable. Health, resist disease, mental function, and even performance. But getting into ketosis can take weeks if even at all. Now you can get into ketosis in 10 minutes. Ketokana is the first ketone powder that has been clinically shown to switch you into a ketogenic state by providing a rush of ketones into the bloodstream. Like to train fasted? Or want to spare more muscle glycogen? during workouts? Take a shot of Keto K-9. Hit it hard. Go to
1: superhumanradio.com and click the Keto Cana banner ad today. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro ProSynthogen, would you train with it?
5: HumanRadio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars.
1: Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Hello. <laughs> Welcome
2: back. Okay. Yeah. Got a lot to cover. <laughs> what is the forced production method?
3: Okay, well, this is... Um this will be fun, and I, I can just ramble through the whole thing real quick because okay. I know we're pressed for time. Um, so basically, force production is, is one of those things that you find buried in um, in things like Louis Simmons' conjugate system and, and all that sort of thing. It's one of these things that came over from Russia, and I developed a personal approach to this that seems to really work well for uh, really across the spectrum of physical activity. So anything that you're doing – it's a way to regulate your training so that you're only doing as much as you're able to adapt to. So what happens to a lot of us is is we get a program and we go into the gym or, or we go out to go for a run or whatever, and we do too much of something. And so how the heck do we know whether or not we've done too much or, or not enough and, and what's just right. And so my goal was to find exactly how to do the optimum amount of work, because if I go too far I I may be able to recover from it or I may not be able to recover from it, but I'm probably not going to get better at it and how much of a drain am I putting on my body because I can screw up for a little while and eventually it's going to catch up with me and it's going to stop me. So how do I do it right the first time every time and then how do I apply that to weightlifting, calisthenics, um, swimming, walking, running, etc.? And so I I came up with what I called the production method. Um, so... How do we do it? Let's let's start with a very simple example of the bench press. So let's say that um, I go to the gym and I, I have on my schedule, it says, you know, I'm doing hypertrophy today, and so I'm going to use um, 60 to 80% of my one rep max for the load, and I'm going to do, um, you know, 8 to 15 repetitions, and I'm going to do uh, anywhere from 4 to 8 sets, okay? So that sets it up. And most people would just plow through those eight sets, no matter what.
4: All right.
3: Well, my approach is different. You're going to put whatever the load is. Let's say it's 200 pounds on the bar, and um, and, and I recommend you do a, 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 a one at least one set to warm up with at a lighter weight, maybe at 50% of one rep max, maybe 40. Doesn't really matter to me. Um, but when it comes to your work sets, what you're going to do is is because we're bodybuilding, we're going to failure. So Boom, we go to failure. Let's say that you get 12 repetitions. Good, cool. You, you do your rest, you come back, and hopefully your rest is appropriate because your rest will sabotage you on this. Okay, So if you're one of those guys that doesn't have any patience and after 60 seconds you're like, I'm going again, you're screwing yourself. You know, give it a good two, three minutes in between. Okay. Um, so set number two, work set number two, 13, hey, this is great. 13, nice. So then set number three, uh, you push it up there and you're back to 12. Well, now that's interesting. We we started at 12, we went up to 13, we're back down to 12. And you could call it a day at that point, but I want to just check. Maybe I was, you know, looking at someone I shouldn't have been or I was distracted by something else, you know, I had a twitch in my back, I don't know, I'll do one more set what I call a check set, just to make sure that that I'm doing okay. So I I go for my fourth set, and on that fourth set, I only get ten. You're done. It's over. You are done with the bench press, with that exercise. Move on to the next one. See, and I've
2: thought about this before, and this this actually makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and this speaks to, Lee Lee Labrada told um, something similar to uh, Porter Cottrell many years ago. You know, um, if you if you get to failure, you don't have to go to failure for five sets in a row. Once you get to no. failure, you've you've stimulated the mechanisms that yes. are going to cause the body to supercompensate, and yes. and and taking it beyond that may actually become counter uh, counterproductive. Look at Lee Haney; his favorite yep. his famous saying was, "Stimulate, don't annihilate." He never pushed himself yep. like some of these other guys, like Ronnie Coleman or any of them. So, right, right.
3: There's lots Absolutely. of ways to
2: skin that cat. You're right.
3: Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting because what it what it will do. So for example, if you're doing hypertrophy, man, uh, the pump that you get from this and and uh Ian Edgar and I both did this um when we were testing this years ago, we were getting pumps that lasted for 3 days. And that's I the mean,
2: key. You you should leave the when you go beyond the threshold that you should go beyond, you lose the pump immediately in the gym. You don't even have a pump anymore. That right. is when you should leave. When you have that pump, leave it there. Yep,
3: Right, right, exactly. And what, for the science nerds, what's happening is you've reached the peak of your ability to produce that amount of force. And so by by doing less reps and more weight, you're just causing more damage. You're not helping anything. You're just making the situation worse. You're making it harder to recover And, and what we want is we want you to recover fast because the thing that people don't understand is that it, you know, success in training is all about consistency. And so if, if you're not a hundred percent, you know, tomorrow, then we lose training value there. And maybe you got to take the next day off and then the next day you're not so good. And it's like, we only want to do just, like you said, just enough to stimulate because we got to do this again tomorrow. And the next day and the next day and the next day. So maybe you're not getting thrashed to death, but you know what? At the end of the month, you will have done more hours of training. You'll have done more volume at the end of the month than the other guys. And you'll be dramatically better. And you're going to feel amazing too. That's the other thing. When you go to, go to failure too much and you push that too much, you're you feel like crap. And that's why a lot of guys drop out. They right. feel like crap for too long. With this, I swear to god, I have no studies to back me up on this. I swear to god it bumps up uh testosterone and a few other oh, things. Oh, sure because it...
2: overtraining drops testosterone. You see, yeah. and 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 then if you're somebody who's on HRT like me and you're mm-hmm. also pig-headed because you <laughs> you you if you were if you were a dog, you would be considered a working uh class dog. Uh, yeah. you you go into the gym and you train anyway, and then you start pounding down the caffeine. And I, yep. I, am, I have distro- I've hurt myself over the past couple of years being overtrained for too long.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think all of us have done that. I think that's where, where you know, age and experience comes in and, and gives us the wisdom to not do that so much anymore. Um, now, we can use this anywhere that we train. So, for example, um, uh, with calisthenics, I tend to use the same rules as I do for walking and running. So let's say that um, I'm going to go out on a run. And let's say I, I I figure out what my heart rate zone is going to be that I'm going to run in. Now, this requires that you have a device or, or some way of measuring your pace or your speed. And what we do is we go out, and let's say um, I'm trying to figure out what type of, uh, like, what my stamina is. So maybe I assign myself to run five kilometers. And so when I get done, I'll come back and I'll look at the data, and I'll note that, for example, my speed, I was able to maintain my heart rate, but my pace dropped at three kilometers. I ran three kilometers and my pace dropped. Okay, then we're done being a 5K runner. We're a 3K runner working on 4K. And so the next time you go out, you're just trying to to go to four kilometers at the same pace and at the same heart rate. I don't care about anything beyond four kilometers because Mm -hmm. I can't maintain the pace. I'm just going to slow down Every step I take after that. And so I use the same thing for calisthenics. If I say I'm going to do a certain number of calisthenics at a certain pace, uh, let's say it's the clapping push-ups or or just push-ups in general. So I'll start at a certain rate, and it's it's very useful to use a metronome for this. So you're following a metronome. Mm -hmm. So let's say you set that metronome at 60 uh, or, or 120 beats a minute uh, so that you're really doing 60 reps in a minute. Um, I, I go ahead and I do the reps. Well, when I, when I lose it, where I can't keep up with a metronome anymore, you're done. How many reps was that? And then that's the reps that you're working with. Don't even worry about ever going more reps than that. You're only a 30 body, bodyweight weight squat guy, because that's all you can do. And again, that way you're not just burning the candle at both ends. You're optimizing you stimulated. Now go recover, so you can do this again more often for the rest of the month. Right, and life is good. The results you get from this are just mind blowing. So I, I would love to see the audience out there try it and then write in on um, Superhuman Radio's uh, social uh, social media and, and let us know what your results are. Or, 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 or send, my guys, yeah. Would love you could
2: also send an email to on air at superhumanradio.net dot net as well. Whichever which way you want to do Facebook or or, or that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, really insightful and, and can really take your training to a different level. We have, yeah. um, we have something in the news and we have a listener question. What do you want to do first?
3: Um, let's end with the news. Let's take the question first.
2: Okay. So this comes from, uh, of all people, Carl with the K. With the K. He says, Hey, Nate, how you doing? I have a question for you. I still don't have the funds to sign up with you. So I've done out my own program. I guess he, he laid out his own program. It's a yeah. it's a full body workout three days a week with two days off cardio conditioning. I hike at uh, on the weekends and I'm pretty active all day. I feel that full body programs are more relative to military demands because your whole body is working on an average day. So my question to you is, am I right in my thinking or completely wrong?
3: Yeah, so So Carl is, um, he's, he's on the, he's on the way. Um, there's, there's the devil's in the details. And, um, so let's see. Uh, so he says he does two days of cardio conditioning. Now the, the problem is, is that as we found out over these shows, um, devil's in the details. And so what, what is cardio conditioning? That's my first question to him is what the heck do you mean by that? And, and no, that's not going to be enough. You need to be doing at least five days of aerobic training, um, preferably something along the lines of walking and running or a combination thereof. But if you walked uh, as fast as you can um, for for one hour a day, then you'd be covering that pretty nicely. Just as a uh, you know general idea. Um, and then when it comes to full body workouts. Three days a week, the devil in, in the details there. I mean, I'm fine with three days a week. That's what I prescribe to most guys. Um, but it's what are we doing in that? So um, when he says full body, to me, and I think this is the point that I'll, that I'll leave it on, the point to me is that, yeah, full body is fine, but you have to really define what that is. So to me, that has to be movement pattern specific, not, well, I did thighs, tries, legs, you know, forearms, calves. You know deadlifts, whatever like all on one day, I mean good Lord,
2: well you can't you um, can't what I've learned is the stronger you get uh the more unrealistic it is to do a full body workout because if you if you're if you're so strong in your pulls, your pushes and your and your and your 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 lower body training, the the, yep. the the first movement you do vanquishes you, and the rest of it you're just kind of you're not ac- activating that muscle group as hard as you can. So you, that's when you have to right. start splitting it up. The only other thing I could say is prioritize. Start yep. with a push on Monday. Start with a pull on Wednesday, and start with the lower body movement on on Friday. So you're still fresh enough where you're going to hit that body part hard. But I find that I can't do. I I can only do full body until I start getting strong again. And then once I start getting strong again, I have to split it up. It's just too much work.
3: Right, right. And, and in general, I, I would agree with that. Most people benefit best by by taking, um, just splitting things up a little bit. You know, maybe doing a, a full, say an upper body complex would be something along the lines of, you know, a forward push, a rearward pull, an overhead press, a downward pull, and then a downward press and an upward pull. You know, that's six exercises. You can do that you know, you can do a lower body complex that's, you know, squat, lunge, uh, deadlift type of thing or whatever. There's a million different ways to, to crack this nut. Um, and, and there's a whole nother conversation that we can have about how to do full body work, um, with a lot of exercises, but you have to adjust the, the load, the intensity and all that other fun stuff. And I'll, I usually save that for the, uh, uh, for the folks that I'm coaching, but, um, you know, I think if you're going to go calisthenics wise, go with the full body routine. Um, otherwise, I'd split it up, especially if you're chasing hypertrophy and max strength. Like you said, Carl, that's way too damn much.
2: Yeah, it's a lot. Um, of work. It's a lot of work in one set. Unless you're, unless you know, you know what I dream of. I dream of not having a schedule and being able to go to the gym in the morning and train, <laughs> and then grab a bite to eat in my car and come back into the gym and do some more. And I really dream of that. I know that sounds crazy. People think that's it's just ridiculous, but I just feel so much better when I do more work. Yeah, and that's just yeah. the way I'm built. I mean, I, I. But again, I have to temper not killing myself. We have um. Let let uh, let's move on to the uh yep. the thing in the news here. So what Absolutely. what is the U.S. Air Force pre selection course fail? What's that about?
3: Okay, so I have spies everywhere. As you <laughs> <I> mean, <right? laughs>
2: be careful <laughs> and, in this uh, day and age, saying that, brother. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I have my network, and uh, there, there's lots of people that uh, have no problem, um, um, you know, calling me up and, and saying, hey, here's a piece of information. Um, and, and this one was just, this just felt right to share. And um, the fact of the matter is is that these highly intensive uh, training programs like CrossFit have, have really infiltrated parts of the military, um, and they really should not have. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going on now over a decade of this absurdity, and it's never worked. You know, it just, this has never produced what the force needs. And, and now we have uh, the Air Force in their infinite lack of wisdom. I'm probably cutting my own throat by saying that, but I'm sorry it's true. They've, they decided that they were not getting enough people through their selection course for pararescue and select and and uh, combat control, and so what they did was they built a pre-selection training course, and of course it's just CrossFit. And so uh, what what has occurred is uh, very recently, of the thirty people in that course, only one made it.
2: So only so wait, well, I want to summarize this, okay? So I want to make sure I understand. So what you're saying is that using the CrossFit model as yeah. the training method to bring yep. these guys up to speed and gals up to speed so that they could make it into the, the Air Force program yep. has failed. It's failed to yeah. bring them up to the level of strength and conditioning they would need to do the job, which, right. which proves the point that you've been saying all along, that yep. that type of training, albeit great for the CrossFit games, is not great for the military.
3: No. In fact, you could get um, dramatically better results with a simple calisthenics and running program. You would, you would get over 90%, you know, I mean, if you exclude the psychological factors, um, you know. So it's, to me, that, that's just yet another massive failure in the military's uh, attempts here. And I, I'm really at a loss. If anyone out there listening uh, has any ideas, I mean, I've been trying to get through. I mean, I started the Air Force Special Operations Command human performance program and when i left it completely went to hell mm-hmm. um, and and i'm just at a loss as, as to how to reach these people because it's all of these these little pet projects and someone says crossfit's the way or this is the way and it has never been and i'm sitting here with the success rate that i have that's the best in the world and and i just can't get anyone to listen because what i'm doing doesn't you know, it just doesn't emotionally connect with these guys. And my question, uh, at this point, it's become a, a question of morality. How many people are we going to break and how many people's lives, careers, and dreams are we going to shatter by being ignorant and stupid? It bothers me to no end. And and I guess, as Rob would say, that's my final thought. <laughs> well, but but I mean,
2: and it really is a matter of... And you, it's interesting that you said it's about attitudes because what it is is that Whoever is in the position to make the decision uh, is obviously not uh, active in the pursuit of uh, the highest level of physical fitness uh, uh, for the application, but sees the CrossFit Games and sees guys like Rick Froning and goes, man, imagine if every soldier was like Rick Froning. Yeah, we'd lose the war because he he wouldn't be able to ruck march uh, uh, ten miles, and then do those things because he's, he's right. you know. And this is what it comes down to. If you want to be a surgeon, you don't pick up a hammer and a and, and a rasp and start putting shoes on horses, right? You you you, you, <laughs> right. you don't. You can't become a surgeon by become by doing what a blacksmith does. Yeah. right you can become a blacksmith, and and this idea that they're not looking at what. Someone in the military does, as the tasks to elevate and measure. They're saying, "Oh well, you know." I mean, and look, the football football does this. They don't care. Now, now you got football guys out there that are deadlifting right now, and they're getting on. But mm-hmm. but their coaches, uh-uh, I don't want you bench pressing more than two twenty five. Yeah,
5: I don't want you tearing right.
2: a shoulder and then you can't play. You 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 get out there on the field. That's where you need to become good. The military needs to understand about the, the, the rules of specificity. Yeah. And if you, if yeah. it doesn't matter if you can do 200 kip ups or whatever they call them, you know, that, that stupid pull up where your <laughs> legs are ridiculous. actually doing most of the work. Right. Uh, it, that doesn't make you capable of doing the job of a soldier. You do. Right. You take the job of a soldier. You analyze it. You break it into component parts, and you go, "How do we make him better at this? How do we make her better at that?" Then we put it all back
3: together, and we have a
2: good soldier. Now we're ready to go.
3: Right. Right. Exactly. This is silly. This is silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's it just. I, I just wonder how long. You know. How long do you have to go, and how many people do you have to hurt and and turn away that would otherwise be great operators? Um, Uh, until you start to finally get over the cult of personality and, and start actually looking at actual performance results. And, you know, it's, it's apparent to me that whoever the officers are that uh, are in charge of this thing, don't give a damn about results because they're not going with anything that's ever produced results. They're going with cult of personality type of things. And to me, that's fraud, waste, and abuse. So,
4: uh, and who
2: and who is making those decisions? Is it a politician type? Is it is it no. you Because know, I know I know when you're in the military, right? There's guys that are earmarked and they kind of move through the paces of becoming uh, what I would consider military management, right? And then right, there's the right. people who actually go out there and do the work, and and yeah. like like who who's making the decision? Is it somebody that really was in the trenches and understands? The level of physical fitness that's required to do the job, or is it somebody who went through the management path and they just got up there?
3: It's it's more guys that have um, have have gone to the schoolhouse and and haven't yeah. done a whole lot in the real world, yeah. um, and haven't thought about this a whole lot. Um, and unfortunately, it's a, a problem that goes from the bottom to the top. Um, you know, physical fitness is is not all that different. Ironically, in the fitness industry, from from what it is in the military, where the opinions of, of say the, the average guy doing physical training is very much like the opinions of physical fitness, uh, training clients, because, you know, for example, I've had people walk out this, just this one lady really blew my mind. She walked out while I was explaining how to do the exercise because she said, well, we didn't just immediately launch into crushing people. That's what she wanted. Um, I yeah, and because I didn't do that, then this place wasn't was nothing. I said, "Well, do you do you know how to do that exercise?" She said, "No." Okay, wow, that's amazing. And a lot of coaches will tell you, the the um, and personal trainers, the client is demanding that they be thrashed immediately because then they say, "Well, boy, we're really doing something now." Well, you know that never gets you anywhere. But, yeah, but and know, that's
2: silly because my my children when they were young, they wanted to eat candy and watch TV all day.
3: That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, are, are uh, you
2: are you are you teaching them or are you being taught by them? That's the question I would ask those people who right. are making those decisions.
3: Well, it's why I'm, <laughs> it's why I'm not a billionaire. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but what happens is you get guys that that are doing. You know, they've gone to they've they've done very little on the teams. They they go to these schools and then they work out a lot and they say, well, I really feel this because I'm sore all the time and it must be hardcore. And they say, well, I'm doing well. Um, well, you know, they just neglect. I mean, I had one guy, um, at one course that I taught at, and he said, well, I do CrossFit. And I said, well, well, you know, I won't say his name, but I said, I- is it the, is it the 20 minutes of CrossFit you do twice a day, or I'm sorry, uh, twice a week, or is it that you, you wear a 70 pound pack and, and you ruck march up and down mountains all day, every day? Which one of those is having the effect? Yeah. And he's, oh, yeah, shoot, I, yeah, that's right. So, um, so then, so they 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 get into these workout programs, and then they say we want to do these, um, and then they push that up the chain of command, and they get some officer who's probably also doing it and thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread to sign off on it, and then they sign off on it and they do it. They don't bother to actually say, hey, does this actually work? Is there, are there any other things out there? Uh, you know, they've not properly defined anything that they're going after. I mean, you know, when you say. Break it down into the specific components. I'm the only person that's ever done that in the history of the Department of Defense. I'm the only one. And you know what you what you spit out at the end is dramatically different. The greatest the coaches in it.
2: the world do that, and I can tell you this because yeah. I have two daughters that were competitive figure skaters, and we worked yep. with a coach who was a, who was um oh I can't think of her name now, but this is going back into the into the late late eighties, early nineties. Mid nineties, and uh, he mm-hmm. was a, he was an Olympic coach, and we uh, my my youngest daughter was trying to land her axle, and mm-hmm. he sent me uh, details, and because what he does is if you're trying to land your axle, he doesn't have you do your axle, he has you do the first part, the leap, you yep. get that down, then once you got that down, then he has you start working on the launch into the to create the revolutions, and once you get that, yep. and he even has a harness that they used from the, the ceiling, because yeah. you fall a lot. So when, when you miss the revolution, you're about to fall, they yank it, and you, you don't hit the ground. And, yep. and so it, it, his name was Terry something. I can't think of it now. But he said the way to land your axle, there's four parts of an axle, he said. You know, the, 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 the launch, the, the takeoff, the revolution, and the landing. You learn each of those separately. Then the last step is you put it all together.
3: Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. That's a, I, it, I shame it,
2: on the military for not realizing this. Really, we we have the greatest minds, we have a bundle of money and and we're sending people out uh into life-threatening situations unprepared.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, as ever. Yeah, they they they've not bothered to get serious, so that's that's why I do what I do and um you know on on that note, I'm headed back to Colorado in um uh February. Uh, around the 1st of February, I am leaving Vermont and headed back to Colorado. And um, that's going to be good news for the guys that have contacted us through the show that are down there at Fort Carson. And uh, we've actually already got enough people as of uh, yesterday where I'm going to end up be, uh, running two separate special operations uh, preparation training groups, one in Denver and one in Colorado Springs. How
2: exciting. How exciting. Yeah. So anybody so listening to the a, show, Alex Wapretzky, if you're listening to the show, Alex lives in, oh, did you say Colorado right. or Oregon? He's in, he's Oregon. No, he's in Oregon. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I always get that mixed up. I don't, don't know why I get move. Colorado and Oregon mixed up, but <laughs> mountains. if you, yeah, I know. Right. I'm not I'm, I'm the average American <laughs> idiot. The, 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 the Northeast, Northwest just, I don't know. It's all one place to me, Washington, right, right. Colorado, Oregon. It's like, oh yeah, you live over there. <laughs> But if you live in, uh, obviously, if you live in Colorado, reach Mm -hmm. out to Nate on Facebook. Who knows? You can train with him. Wouldn't that be cool? This has been a great show. Happy New Year, brother.
3: Hey, Happy New Year to you, Carl. Thank you so much.
2: And hopefully, uh, are you going to drive to Colorado?
3: Yes, sir. Loading up the uh, the, the the old Forerunner and heading across. Yeah, so. so that'll
2: be good. So maybe you can even stop in some states and see some people. So reach out to Nate and let him know where you live. He's probably going to be driving across the top of the United States. So if you're in that path, who knows? You yep. guys can hang out.
3: I right, listen. The Eighty ninety corridor. There you go.
2: <laughs> I'll talk to you next week then. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Carl. And don't forget, if you want to reach out to Nate, go to his website militarymultisport.com. dot com. That is what the military should be—a multisport function. I will right, we'll see you. Tomorrow we have an amazing show. I'm so excited. If you have anyone in your family that's living with fibromyalgia, you must pass this show to them because we're going to talk about how you can finally live without fibromyalgia, without drugs. It's going to be a wonderful event. Stay there. Uh, Stay tuned. I'm sorry. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.